So, welcome to the first episode. This is a whim. I am going out uh, on a limb and not meaning to rhyme, although I could probably do it all the time. Just kidding. All right, all right. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Wayward Experiences of the Canada Traveler. I'm your host, Elise, sometimes known as the Wayward Traveler because none of my trips are planned or organized, sometimes known as the Canada Traveler because I bear all and I don't leave any rock unturned or detail unsaid. With all of that being said, my friends have told me that my travel stories are insane, but also fueled by stupidity on my part by not planning anything in advance. So use this as a guide of what not to do when you are planning your own trips. You're going to hear my stories. I'm going to bring some of my friends that I've met along my travels in as guests. And we have to start somewhere. So I'm going to bring you back to 2015, the first solo travel I ever experienced in China. Well, 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 we have to start the story by talking about how I got to China. And that was a whole fiasco on its own. Uh, A lot of stupidity on my part. I figured out in the end, I was definitely conned into taking the job that I took. But I took a contract in China, in South China, for two years. And when I got there, I was the last teacher, international teacher, to get there. So they had to process my visa separately from the other teachers. I was about a week late because my sister's wedding was the day before I left on my flight. And here's where a lot of the stupidity comes in. I packed my second bag, my second huge luggage that I was bringing to China for two years abroad. I packed it when I was slightly still intoxicated after my sister's wedding. I mean, open bar for all the family members. So, yeah. Here's one example of complete disaster on my part. So my flight is early. I'm hungover. I check my bags. I'm the only one that touches my bags the whole way, you know, layover in Vancouver and then flight directly to Shanghai. And then in Shanghai, my flight to my respective city, the one that I took a job in, Guangzhou, was canceled. But I don't speak Mandarin, so I have no idea what anyone is saying to me. I actually got pulled into a small room with border patrol or airport security. And my bag is, my two big luggage bags are on this table, this stainless steel table. (laughs) And there's an x-ray of my bag, you know, like when you put something through an airport scanner, you can kind of see the x-ray. And there's like these big globs of just bright orange, you know, it looks like a mass of something. And my first bag was fine. That was just clothes, whatever. I packed that like two weeks before I left. But yeah, the second bag I packed while drunk, it was not, it didn't do me any favors. They're obviously asking me what it is, but I don't remember (laughs) what it is because I was not in the right head, I suppose. So I opened the bag and what does it turn out to be besides, you know, those big containers of seasoning salt, 
Yeah, one of those and then another big Costco-sized container of Montreal steak spice and a bunch of cooking utensils. Not anything sharp, but just like tongs, you know, some silicone spatulas because I like cooking. Apparently, I like cooking so much I had to take a bunch of stuff with me to China. So they didn't understand what it was. Eventually, I just twisted the tops off, stuck my finger in and licked and I was making these stupid hand gestures like a fucking idiot like mmm so good (laughs) and again I don't speak Mandarin they don't speak English we figured it out they figured it out that it was just spices I'm assuming because they let me go but when they let me go I got shuttled onto a bus again with all of the people, like a bunch of people from my flight, they're driving. We drive like an hour away from the airport. <laughs> I thought I thought I was going to get my organs harvested. So second fiasco of my time in China. Great. Anyways, they shuttled me to a hotel and they told me what time to be up by. I didn't really understand still, but I kind of, they showed me a time and okay. But everyone is expecting me in Guangzhou you know I I had no communication with my family they knew my flights but and they knew I would contact them once I got my internet and everything set up but for wi-fi in (laughs) in the airport in the hotel for the free wi-fi you need a Chinese phone number which I obviously didn't have so all of a sudden I'm stuck in Shanghai in a hotel not sure when my flight to Guangzhou was going to be Big stupid on my part. (laughs) Whatever. I get there. And again, my visa takes a long time to process. So let's skip ahead. That was in August. Let's skip ahead to October. October 1st is Chinese National Day. And every single one of my colleagues, their visas are in. You know, they're allowed to leave the country. I got into China on a conditional visa. And then I had to apply for an extended work visa. All of my colleagues had theirs and they were so, we were all ready to get the hell out of Dodge. You know, it was such a culture shock that everyone wanted to leave. And the closest place that would be, you know, more westernized is Hong Kong. I can't even go to Hong Kong. So as everyone's booking their flights, you know, some people are going to Japan, some people are going to Taiwan, South Korea, Hong Kong. I have to stay in the country. I'm the only one that whose visa did not come in yet. So I'm stuck in China and (laughs) my Chinese colleagues, you know, the Chinese co-teachers I had and administration, they helped me. They're like, oh yeah, like we know you want to go on vacation. You should go to Sanya. It's like Hawaii. Everyone in China calls it the Hawaii of China. And we talk about me going to China on false pretenses. I also went to Sanya on false pretenses. I say it like it's all bad. It really wasn't. It was just not what I expected at all, being told that it was the Hawaii of China. I'm sure at one point it did look like that, but I'm going to add a little adjective to the beginning. I'm going to say it's the dirty Hawaii of China, because sure, it does have some lush green areas, but it also has... A lot of people, a really dirty coastline, you know, lots of pollution and garbage littered all over the beaches and the main city that I was staying in. But again, you got to make the best of the situation. So 
I unwittingly went to Sanya. And I went to the main city, you know, where the only airport. It's the only island province of China. And it's fiasco after fiasco. But then eventually, I I forced myself to just stop wallowing. And a, a few of the common things that you'll see across all of my travel stories is... I'm in a situation and you just got to make the best of it. So when I'm in those situations, the biggest and best thing I can do for myself is to embrace how utterly ridiculous I am by putting myself in a circumstance where I don't know the language or I don't know how to use the currency or I have no idea where I'm going and just run with it. So I'm going to start at when I'm trying to get to my hotel. So I landed at the airport. I get into a taxi cab and I give him the address. <laughs> you know, he's driving past the airport and I'm looking around. It's getting darker and darker and darker. Remember, uh, Sanya is in the tropics, I believe. So close to the equator, 12 hours of sunlight, 12 hours of nighttime. And what that means is it gets dark around six o'clock. So getting darker and darker i can't see where i'm where he's taking me and he starts wrapping on the plexiglass i'm in the back seat and just on my phone not really paying attention he's talking to me in mandarin again no idea what's happening and me a stupid westerner just goes and i point to my phone i show the address and i just give him again those stupid hand signals that i gave to airport security back in shanghai Expecting people to understand and cater to me because that's how I grew up. You know, we all grew up in Canada, self-centered, like the whole world revolves around us. So goddamn, this guy better take me to my hotel. <laughs> he couldn't find it. He couldn't find it. He starts stopping at other businesses and other hotels asking for directions. He's in and out of the cab. I have no idea what's going on. I kind of piece it together. And he actually turns... <laughs> I'm just remembering this. He actually turned off the meter because it was taking so long. Finally, after about another half an hour of that, he turns the meter back on. I'm like, oh, shit, we're getting somewhere. Great. He, we get to my hotel and he follows me in. And I thought he was just being nice, like helping me with my bags. But then he goes to the receptionist and starts reaming her out in Chinese. I'm a, I think it was Mandarin still reaming her out in mandarin and just i'm assuming it's because it was so hard to find whatever i'm i'm over it i'm tired <laughs> so i just go up to my hotel room he when i'm going up the elevator after i got checked in he's still yelling at one of the receptionists <laughs> so in my hotel room a, a little bit of a weird tangent but let me put you in the scenario I'm, i walk into this room and it has the same amount of furniture as a hotel room in canada you know in north america two queen beds it has a dresser a mini fridge a bathroom obviously but the size of the room is so ridiculous it's like eight times the size of a normal hotel room with the same amount of furniture so i was just in this empty room you know it still had two beds still had a dresser a tv mini fridge but it was so big. I'm so tired. I just passed out and decided to, you know, 
figure out what I was doing with my life the next morning. Morning comes and I wake up ready to, I guess, see the neighborhood that I'm staying in. I put on my backpack like Dora the fucking Explorer and I walk out of the hotel with no idea where I'm going. So I'm walking, walk three blocks, three or four blocks and I see the supermarket you know, there's an open air market, a shopping mall, and I go into the shopping mall and I try, I try to shop. It's not very successful because I don't know how to use the currency. So like, fuck, I, you know, I went on vacation with no plan. Anyways, I get some food and I decide I'm in the Hawaii of China. I need to see the beach. So I take a cab, you know, I got, I had a little bit of English translation to Chinese, so I was able to get to the beach. So I go over this bridge, whatever, get to the beach, there's a seawall there, and that's exactly what I was trying to explain. Like, Sanya is not a very nature-preserved area. I can see the appeal to someone who lives, who has grown up their whole life in a city like Guangzhou, like 18 million people on like an inflated day. But it's coarse sand, you know, there's like oil patches or like greasy patches in the water hitting the shore. There's garbage, there's algae, there's people everywhere, not even meters of space between different families. The beach is packed at this point. It's like 1130 in the morning. And it just doesn't appeal to me. So I kind of look around and lo and behold, I see a bar across the street with English writing. Okay, cool. I kind of inspect a little bit from afar. And I also hear loud rave music. And I'm just like, that's definitely an expat bar. And the reason I knew was because it Expats are the bad seeds of China, you know? We're we're the only ones that'll start drinking before noon. Chinese people are extremely respectful with their drinking habits. And <laughs> so I walked in. And I I needed I needed to be able to communicate with someone. I think that was the biggest driver of going into that bar. I didn't need to drink. I didn't need to be in a bar. I didn't need to be around white people per se, but I just needed to be able to talk to someone. I was feeling extremely isolated. So when I talk about all of these ridiculous stories, I'm totally fine traveling on my own now, but I was 23 years old. That was, you know, that was quite a while ago, 2015. That was the first time I was traveling on my own and not being able to talk to anyone was very, very taxing. I get into the bar and... I grab a pint. The bartender is Australian, so we kind of shoot the shit for a few minutes. And then he's like, oh, are you going to eat lunch here? And I was like, yeah, whatever. Sit down at the bar. And I realized in that moment, I didn't want to be alone for the rest of my time in Sanya. I wanted to make friends. So I definitely feigned confidence. And there was a girl sitting maybe two or three bar stools down from me. And I just asked her what she was drinking. We were both drinking beer. We were both obviously not from China. She was very white. (laughs) And she was sitting, we were both sitting alone. So I asked her what she was drinking and we got to talking. And eventually we actually sat together for lunch. We were both ordering food 
and it was great. You know, the first instance of me putting myself out into the world and making a new friend. And there's a lot of those instances because I just don't care what people think of me. If they don't want to talk to me, you know, it's a just quick conversation. But most people that are sitting alone in a random foreign country, they're open to having conversations with people. Being an expat means you're open to hearing people's stories. So with that being said, her and I are having lunch and more people come in. Groups become bigger, more single travelers will come and join us at our table and then a big group of people will be interested in our conversation and that's kind of just how the bar scene works in the expat world. You just make friends easily or let me asterisk that. You make acquaintances easily and you act like friends for the short amount of time that you're together and it's awesome. Eventually it gets a little bit darker. You know, we'd been there for a few hours at that point. It's like five o'clock. We end up going back to the beach and it's not as busy as earlier in the day. So we have a few drinks. It's all you can drink in public in China. And we head back to the bar. When we head back to the bar, we see that there's way more people, bigger groups of people, and we all just join up together. I ended up talking to this British guy and then his friend or a person that he had met a few days earlier he was DJing at some nightclub so this DJ was like ah oh, everyone come party with me i was young forgive me i don't think raving is cool okay i just people were doing it just go with the flow it's peer pressure so end up going to this nightclub and this British guy is super interested in me, but I'm like brushing him off completely and just trying to hang out with my new friend. Let's call her F because her name started with an F. F and I actually end up making plans. Uh, we exchange WeChat, which is the Chinese like messaging app, and then had a great night at the nightclub, whatever ended up drinking way too much, super hungover. But our plans that we made was actually, I was going to go to her hotel the next day and we were going to get a spa treatment. Awesome. Perfect for the hungover. Day two comes of my Sanya trip and I take a cab over to my friend's hotel. She greets me and it is so ritzy unbelievably beautiful way better than my massive empty room hotel and we just head down to the spa right away she said she booked us in for a couple's massage <laughs> two females for a couple's massage i am so for lgbtq i plus all of that is it's like second nature to me you know my sister's a lesbian it wasn't anything whatever it didn't make a difference to me but Putting it back into the context of the country that I was in, homosexuality in China is very frowned upon. So the fact that we booked in for a couple's massage was a big point of, I guess, contention with the masseuse and the receptionist. So F and I go down to the spa and she says in Mandarin, she speaks way better Mandarin. I mean, I didn't speak any at the time, but she speaks Mandarin. She's been in China for three years. And she lets them know that we're there for our, whatever, 1230 appointment for the couple's massage. <laughs> and 
and the the girls there was two massage therapists and one receptionist they're all female they look and their reaction is like why doe-eyed huh what and the receptionist she gathers herself very quickly i don't understand what's going on you know i i hear all of this after the fact but the receptionist starts talking again gathers herself really quickly and she apparently she said to f oh it might be really uncomfortable if you guys are undressing in front of each other usually couples massages are, are in the same room but if you you know if you book two separate massages you'll be in separate rooms and f goes and says again i met her the day before less than 24 hours earlier and f goes and says we are a couple again just wide-eyed open mouth and the receptionist saves the day she says okay and just brings us to our room <laughs> for a chinese person let me just let me just clarify if you aren't getting what i'm putting down right now for a chinese person to not be discriminatory disrespectful rude refuse service to a perceived couple a homosexual couple lesbians which I'm not, but I was played off as. For that to happen was awesome. So we get to the room and it is so big and so gorgeous. So it's a circular room. There's two massage tables. You open two big French doors, two massage tables on the right-hand side, and straight ahead there's a tub that fits two people. This was straight-up couples territory. So past the tub, there's, you know, there's two showers. Half the room is windows, but there's curtains that are covering them. We open the curtains because they close the door and let us change. We open the curtains and it's looking onto out into the ocean. And I'm just like, that is what I wanted out of this trip. It was gorgeous. There's like a helicopter pad that kind of obstructed the view. Regardless, super beautiful. On the left side of the room... There was a tea area and snacks. Like, this hotel went all out on their couple's massage, and I got to experience it with a new friend. Wrapping up the rest of my trip in Sanya, I end up spending so much more time with F. We became extremely close, and it all started because I decided to feign confidence one day and just talk to a random stranger in a bar. The point of this story and why I'm starting the podcast with this story is because it was really the first time that I had success in my adult life pretending to be this person that was you know extroverted talkative friendly not that I'm not those things but I was always in my shell in Canada this first solo travel in China really opened my eyes to the person that I wanted to become and set the precedence for every other solo travel trip in the coming years. To finish off this podcast, I just wanted to highlight a few things that you should definitely be taking away from this. The first is that you're allowed to make mistakes when you travel. That's the whole pretense of wayward experiences of the candid traveler. The second thing is that in all of the mistakes you make and all of the negative things, some good can come from it. You know, I had six weeks of hell and then I finally went to Sanya and 
I stepped out of my shell a little bit and I was able to make friends. Overall, it was an unforgettable experience. Join me next week for episode two, where I pay homage to the 4th of July and my neighbors down south, and I talk about where I was last year on the 4th of July. I'm going to leave you with a song that's suiting to the story I just told you. It's called It Gets Better by Grizz. See you next week.